The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The most important thing about your business could be how your products are packaged. Packaging is the signature that you leave everywhere, and it speaks volumes about who you are and what you do. This is Ditch the Box with David Marinak. In today's show, we'll talk about marketing, increased sales, and how it relates to product packaging. Have you explored alternatives like flexible packaging? You should. It can save your company a bundle. Now, here is David Marinak. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Ditch the Box, the marketing slash flexible retail packaging slash how to build your brand radio show. I'm David Marinak, your host. Joining us today from Athens, Ohio, is Professor Yong Wang. Professor Wang, Yong's global business curiosity played an important role in his education and business legal practice. Throughout the years, he's conducted extensive consulting work in Europe, Asia Pacific, and the Americas for many multinational corporations and small firms. He's also worked on numerous research projects for leading consulting agencies such as Roland Berger, McKinsey, A.C. Nielsen, Thomas Reuters, PwC, and international organizations such as the World Trade Organization, or WTO. His experience has taught him a lot on how to work with people, companies, from diverse backgrounds for the opportunities ahead. Young is a proud Robert H. Freeman Professor of Strategic Marketing at Ohio University, and it has helped him fully understand that globally connected, experience-based, career-focused, and success-driven learning is the key to success for his students and himself. Over the years, his research has appeared in over 40 peer-reviewed academic journals in marketing, management, and international business. His research passion remains diverse and global. He is into many emerging businesses and consumer issues related to technological, social, and environmental change, with an emphasis on the global context. His hope is one day he can, he can make some impact in research, teaching, and consulting. Professor Yong Wang, welcome to the show, my friend. Hi, David. How are you today? Thank you for having me here. My great honor again to join your show. Thank you very much. And I understand you've got some thunderstorms down there in Athens. Is that correct? A little bit. <laughs> yeah. It's that uh, time but, of year. Um, it's that yeah, time of year. I think. Yeah, I think you know this is the weather of, of its season. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, again, in, let, in business, I think, you know, thunderstorms everywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's that's why I, I believe um, um, you have a lot of experience uh, about, you know, the thunderstorms in, in the business world, right? That everybody has to handle in all of us. And we're going right. to stick our toes into that water a little bit today and kind of go into further detail about that. But uh, you're right on. In fact, Young, you had joined us uh, a week or so ago, and um, we barely got to, to really dig into some of the meat of what we really wanted to talk to. So I decided, and you, when you were gracious enough to accept, that we're just going to do a whole entire show just with you here. Because there's things we want to talk about regarding marketing. There's things we want uh-huh. to talk about the global doing business in China in, in a global economy, if you will. Um, I definitely want to touch base on your hometown of Qingdao um, in China, which is just an absolutely beautiful city, by the way. I've been there a few times, and I loved it. Um, so you. there's lots of things. There's lots of things I want to talk to you about. And, and you, you, know, you bring a lot to the table as far as from your consulting work, obviously dealing with some big consultants, but you also really have that kind of voice of the student, which is so important because, you know, and I don't want to sound cliche-ish, but, you know, the students are obviously our future. So um, you're really on the front lines with the students as well. So it's, it's, it's exciting to kind of cover all this different stuff. So it'll, it'll be fun today. So, Young, a, a, yeah. a common definition of marketing, and I think we talked a little bit about this, but I figured we're just going to go back from, go back from scratch. So marketing is everything you do to place your product or service into the hands of potential customers. It includes disciplines like sales, public relations, pricing, packaging, and distribution. 
Now, marketing is your strategy for allocating resources such as time and money in order to achieve your objectives. Do you think this is kind of a fair definition of marketing, or would you really add or subtract something from that? I think it's a very professional definition. Um, I wonder, you have a copyright over that, right? <laughs> Otherwise, no. I, w- I would imagine <laughs> someone would like to steal this and put it in a textbook. That is that's I like correct, because it, it, it covers everything, including the, you know, of course, you've got the public relations and the packaging slice of that, too. So, yeah, it covers a lot of it. Um, I agree. I think marketing is the external side of, of, of any business. And uh, honestly speaking, I think that includes some of the internal side, too. Um, traditionally, we, we think of management as the internal side of business, right? But I think right. nowadays marketing covers a lot, especially about how um, you, you uh, look at the, the cost, the interfunctional collaboration. These things, I think, is closely related to the concept of marketing, which is how to produce or create a value for customers without understanding the cost or the collaboration. Um, within your company, it's very hard to have a very clear um, a strategic plan for marketing. And this is probably what I want to add to this. Um, you know, in addition to what you mentioned, the, the, the core contents of marketing, which I like a lot. And the marketing, and let's stay with that a little bit, because the marketing okay. thing between, obviously, it's a, it's, Ah, boy, I remember back when I was in college and, and, and marketing slash sales kind of went hand in hand, if you will. Mm-hmm. But marketing over the past, and that doesn't mean that it's that they've split, but, you know, I think you're right on the fact that, you know, how you, how you, you market your product, how you market your company, how you market your service, how you market your value is so much now with the advent, <clears throat> excuse me, or the, the onset of the internet and social media, marketing mm-hmm. is everywhere. So now we've got, not just the old days of marketing, um, like in our parents' days of the newspaper or a direct mail piece or even a phone call, basically. Now we've got all this inbound marketing and outbound marketing and direct mm-hmm. mail marketing and social marketing and mobile marketing and text marketing. There's all this stuff to it. So there's a lot more to it. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, there's so much now that, that marketing really is the catalyst, if you ask me. And I think, I think from there, then sales begin to happen. It's not the other way around. In the old days, it was, you know, you sell, 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 sell. Um, mm-hmm. but, but now marketing really sets the table because without marketing, you can't, you can't really show or, or explain value. Does that, does that kind of jive with where you're coming from? Um, uh, of course. Um, uh, you know, really, this, this uh, has a lot of echo for me because uh, it's kind of very hard to deliver the concept of marketing in training or teaching um, this is because uh, traditionally people believe or, or even uh, some uh, elite business people believe they know marketing pretty well because right. the, um, they think marketing and sales are equivalent, which is understandable, right? The marketing was sales, I think. Sales was marketing back probably 40 years ago yep. um, with a little bit of advertising, which is like more supportive to sales. So, um, but you can tell that's really a, uh, a, a short-term focused marketing where um, they think of transactions, right, sales, right? You, you right. Can sell something in exchange for revenue. Um, yeah, that's it. Uh, but nowadays, as you mentioned, um, things are very complicated um, because of the technological, social, you know, advancement, I would say. Um, uh, earlier we mentioned inbound marketing, outbound right. marketing. Um, there are a lot of techniques nowadays. Uh, even um, I, I think we had a, a conversation um, two weeks ago you know, right. about content marketing, right? right. So nowadays, uh, of course, the marketing communication is not only two ways. Also, the platform is very advanced. It's highly technological, right, as compared to one-way advertising. Okay? And the requirement for the salespeople is not barely okay. Please, you know, knock on the door or knock, right. you know, you know, to, to the consumers' residence or even another company. Rather, how to utilize the technology and and also the subtle social network of connections. Things are very different. 
Um, I hope it doesn't make sense. I hope. It makes oh, it makes sense. a lot of sense. It makes a lot of <laughs> sense, and I think I think what you would you had mentioned too really kind of really kind of plays right into what you what I was talking about with that as well is that. Times have definitely changed. You know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, um, marketing and sales were kind of interrelated or connected to the hip. And now it's just a whole different type of ballgame. Are your mm-hmm. students um, in, in Athens, do you feel that um, – that what kind of a uh, – I don't mean to uh, just throw this on you, but – are they pretty much in tune with that marketing nowadays has changed drastically from the old days, or is this just something that you know the older the, the newer generation, the younger generation, I should say you know they just <laughs> kind of pick this stuff up you know they just right. kind of get it um, right without really explaining anything do they do they really have any understanding of what old time i guess the old days of marketing was like we uh, We did go over the history of marketing um I believe in different levels of marketing courses, okay, because if you want to understand the marketing context, you have to understand history, right? right? How these things evolve, you know, and, uh, but now I would say it's actually revolutionary nowadays. You know, think of, um, you know, search engine optimi- optimization, right? Right. think of um, Google AdWords, Right, right. right. So these things are completely different from traditional advertising. Okay, sure. that's why even if someone knows things about advertising on TV, and you know, naturally, you know, a lot of people watch TV. Students watch TV too. Right. Right. But how to become a very successful marketer, utilizing all these techniques and ideas, and hopefully, you know, doing better than others. You know, is is a challenge. I'm saying, and but but our task is to make them prepared to deal with these challenges. Um, I hope we have done a good job, um, yeah. but I don't know um, if everybody is able to learn enough to prepare themselves to deal with these challenges. But at least we have full awareness that without fully understanding these marketing techniques and frameworks. It is very hard to deal with any challenges in the future in marketing. And and it's and on that note, one of the one of the follow on questions because I was mentioning before with that definition of marketing, you've got sales and public relations and obviously mm-hmm. press releases and packaging and pricing. Is there a particular area we're, we're talking nowadays with your students in particular? Or is there something that that your students and and maybe even yourself, Professor Wang, do you think that um, th- is there a piece of that marketing definition that you're extremely passionate about versus some of the others? I mean, are you more passionate with the online side of things and the search engine kind of things versus mm-hmm. the old stuff? You know, I just was kind of curious from a personal perspective. Is there something that you're more passionate about than others? Quite possibly. Mm, yeah. Okay. Let me um, briefly introduce to you and the audience about how uh, it works in uh, in academia. Okay? Good. So, uh, so basically, of course, we have to um, understand the pieces, right? The pieces right. of a big puzzle. So you got sales. Okay, traditionally, you have to, you know, approach customers proactively through sales. Okay, and you got advertising. That right. includes promotions, uh, all types of advertising, print, TV, radio. Sponsorships. How does that work? There, right. and you got planning, and you have to. Plan ahead, right? That includes cost and benefit. You have to understand if this is going to make money and how much, right? And um, um, you got some other elements. For example, international marketing. You have to understand culture, understand supply chain from a right. global perspective, right? And um, a few other things. So basically, we have a few uh, required courses to prepare them to understand the basics of marketing, and then we have we have advanced courses that are more specialized based on students' interest. So, for example, if you're more into um, advertising or promotions, you want to take a few courses that prepare you in that route. Or if you want to do more consumer-related, you probably want to take some some retail-related courses, including marketing research, analytics, um, you know, supply chain, you know, channels, those kind of things. So well, it's, uh, again, it's it's um, it's it's interesting how much time how much yeah. time times have changed because 
Um, we never, and I, I don't, I didn't even interrupt you, but there's, there's, <laughs> there's so much more now, um, than we even had back in our days. I mean, goodness gracious, you, you've, you listed probably about 15 different, um, subcategories of that marketing world that, goodness, when, when I was in college, uh, <laughs> it, we didn't even have that. It was sales or marketing, you know, that was it. Goodness. Right. As I remembered, marketing used to be a, a function of management, I would say. Mm-hmm. You know, a, mm-hmm. a good manager should have some understanding of marketing. But now, um, to me, you know, management, internal management, sometimes is just a function of marketing because marketing becomes more important because, you know, looking at the value creation right, and, and revenue generation, you know, right. you cannot generate value internally, right? Rather, you have to be customer-focused, right, market-oriented in order to, to, to grab that revenue. That's why usually nowadays you, you look at uh, within company, there's like CMOs. They, yeah. they actually they have a um, strong voice within any organization, right? Because it's all about marketing. Otherwise, you, you, know, you don't have revenue. <laughs> and, and, and also yeah. in um, the education industry, you, you see um, um, an increasing number of students coming to study marketing instead of management. Right. <laughs> I'm not against management because I study management too, but marketing seems to be more popular because it tells students how to make money for yourself and for your organization. And because of competition, it's not easy. That's why it's worth studying, right? Right, right. <laughs> Oh yeah, absolutely. That's why we have colleges. That's why we have professors like you. And and you've <laughs> got to be able to kind of look at these things. And I, and you're you're right on. And that kind of ties me into a next question I've got here. Your LinkedIn profile mentions um, globally oriented, experience based, career focused, and success driven learning is the key to success for your student and your students and yourself. I understand some of that, but but what is success-driven learning, and and what are you referring to exactly? Okay. Uh, Well, first of all, that's my marketing slogan. Good. I like that. It's very cool. Uh, I like it. Do you like it? Great. I do. Um, So did you ask me about the uh, success-driven part? Yes. Okay. Well, I don't know. how um, David, how do you define success for, for a business professional? For me personally, and, and again, unfortunately, a lot of times people look at success being the dollars and cents. But I think both uh-huh. you and I, you and I, will agree that there's so much more to this. There's so much more from the success side of things as far as being fulfilled, doing something that brings value, doing mm-hmm. something that kind of uh, makes a difference. Um, okay. Those kind of things that it, it help me define define success. Okay. Um, I like that, and I believe uh, it makes a lot of sense because, I mean, we can define success differently, right? Right. And right. also for every student, I mean, he or she would imagine her or his success to be something, you know, like a goal-oriented, right? A goal, personal goal. Right. It could right. be money, you know, it could be value, you know, sometimes, you know, it could be some experience. They want to achieve that experience. You know, like in sports, you know, it's not all about money, right? right? It's about winning, you know. That's why a success-driven mind is something about that. You want to win. You know, you want to do something to achieve your goal, your dream. Um, right. Without that spirit, I think it's very hard to, to be someone that uh, can deal with the challenges, you know. So if we set up our minimum goal for the student to be minimally kind of saying like a surviving environment. Right. So I don't think that's what I want to do. You know, of course, survival is very important, but um, um, I want to eye a little bit higher. Okay? Um, I will help students to set up their goals in career and also um, include personal goals. Okay? That's why um, if I believe if students have that success-driven mind, they're more likely to work harder and study harder Right, and the, establish the vision for themselves and for their organizations. And, you know, the rest of things is all about you know, how to learn. That's Correct. And I think that that's actually such a great way to put it. And, and, and speaking from a, from a dad of a couple of younger kids, um, you know, a lot of times this, this newer generation of parents, 
don't necessarily want anybody to win or lose when it comes to sports. This is kind of a sports metaphor, but a lot of times, <laughs> Young, they'll have these games where, oh, well, there, there's really no winner or loser of the game. Everybody's a winner and everybody gets a cookie and a cupcake mm-hmm. after the game. Which is nonsense. This is a you know this is a and we'll touch base on our next segment about the global economy side of things. But you are spot on. Students need to know that you know you you put the goal out there. You put what you want to achieve out there, and you go after it. And you know there is a winner and a loser. It doesn't necessarily mean a loser per se, like a black or white issue. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is. You know, it's it's that six. You want to strive for success. You want mm. to, to strive to win. You want to strive to get that account, to land that business, to land that right. job, to land that. And if you don't have that kind of an attitude, you know, you're going to get run over in this world. I mean, you know, it's it sounds really nice and terrific that everybody's a winner, but that's nonsense. This is business we're talking about. This is the economy, and mm. and you know, I mean, in a world full of. Um, aggressive um, uh, people out there from all different walks of life. Um, you know, there are people out there that will, they'll run you over to get what they want. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean it's right or wrong. What I'm saying is that, and, and and as you do, and as I've heard that you do, and I respect this with your students, is you prepare them for the challenges ahead. You know, when you have a success mindset, you're going to work through those issues. You're not going to give mm-hmm. up anytime things gets difficult. You're going to really and truly buckle down and keep trying. And if it doesn't work, then you go a different direction and try that. And if that doesn't work, you try again. It's not about mm-hmm. giving giving up per se. It's about really and truly, you know, driving and uh, for what you what you want in life. I think you're spot on. I think that's a great way to look at it. I think that's. Hmm, I, I can't speak for everybody, but I think that's the mission for higher education, at least right. in, in business. Okay, I, I think. Uh, we need to help or, or assist the trophy generation. They call that trophy generation because everybody gets a trophy, right? As you right. mentioned, to, right. to help the trophy generation to to have the uh, appropriate level of transformation experience. And by saying transforma- transformation experiences, that they have to transform right. from a a little kid, like you mentioned, you know, that receives everything, you know, for, for granted to right. Um, a business professional that understands competition, you know, that's aware of the, 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 the competition, the challenges that they have to deal with, with a success-driven mind, as I mentioned, right? right? right. And this is actually not that simple, although trans- transformation is just one word, but it's a process, right? right. It takes a few years, takes, um, you know, some, some momentum to realize you know, as even the challenges. You know, that's why if you tell little kids, oh, you know, they're, they're cars. You know, be careful. You know, the, the road is dangerous. You know, right. it doesn't take that kid any time to have a transformation. You know, this. Oh, okay. You know, are you serious? I never encountered that situation. Is that right? Right. But right. that's why we want to prepare our students uh, through um, experience learning. Experience-based learning, right? Um, that's another element of, of my philosophy. So through these experiences, they're able to be aware of the or, or to smell out any challenges in, 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 right. in, in you know in the future. Okay, um, you know because as I mentioned, um, competition um, you know is everywhere. Nowadays, competition is probably more intensive. You know, correct, and also. You know, depending on the industry, in certain industries, it's, it's very, very competitive, especially the the new industries, right? Speaking of the old industries, it's probably it's not competitive enough is because, you know, people are getting out, going to the new industries. Sure. Right, and, and you know, that, that, that process is very dynamic. Um, yeah, and I, I completely agree with what you thought uh, about, you know, your children. I have a daughter, too. Uh, my daughter's seven. Right, um, my yeah, mine's I mean, a little bit you know older, everybody. but I I definitely re- I remember the seven <laughs> seven years old. Oh my goodness! <laughs> right. So yes, you have to give them a trophy for doing anything you want them to do, <laughs> but it's completely different in the real world. Right. 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 Yeah. 
I think that's very cool. And we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, okay. I want to follow up with that experience-based learning because I, I really think you're onto something um, with that. And then in turn, we'll, we'll kind of change gears and, and start talking about um, dealing with China and overseas and those kind of things. But, um, um, Professor, this has, been, this has been awesome. We're going to take a short break. This is Ditch the, sure. Ditch the Box. Sit tight, everybody. We'll be right back in a few. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've got a great product, and it's now on the store shelves at all the major big box retailers. So what's the problem? You are getting squeezed. Cost reductions are demanded from the retailers, and they are not letting up. So, what are you going to do? You can give in and watch your margins disappear and hope you can make them up with other clients or with other products. You can say no and watch the retailers make deals with your competitors. Or you could say yes because you've discovered a way to increase your margins and even get lost margins back. At StandUpPouches.net, we live and breathe flexible retail packaging. We have factories that can run as few as 5,000 pieces and scale to millions without any change in quality. We are ISO 9000 and ISO 14000 approved and offer complete supply chain solutions using our Ohio warehouse. Your retail packaging is the voice of your brand. Don't use inferior packaging. Choose packaging that not only protects, but keeps products fresher for longer while building your brand. To learn more, visit us at www.standuppouches.net or call us at 866-440-2123. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Ditch the Box with David Marinak. If you'd like more information about our program, send David an email to david at standuppouches.net. That's David at StandUpPouches.net. Now, back to Ditch the Box. Welcome back, everyone, to Ditch the Box. Joining us once again is Professor Yong Wang from Ohio University in Athens, Ohio. Uh, hello. Was, uh, hello. Yong was gracious enough to be uh, part of our first segment, and we've just got so much to talk about. We're going we're gonna to finish up and go with a second segment and kind of carry on. So, so Young, we were talking a little bit about um, what you called experience-based learning, and that's going to kind of tie into one of your um, one of your actual projects that you guys had done in one of your classes. And there was it was actually, you know, you had um, your students pitch a product to a major retailer or, or a hypothetical major retailer like a Walmart or a Target, which is definitely something our audience is listen is interested in because. A lot of our, um, you know, our audience is, is dealing with either selling into major retailers or one of the major retailers themselves, et cetera. So, there's, so it's pretty top of mind. So I know mm-hmm. you've used this project in a few of your classes over the years. Can you share what you and your students have really learned um, you know, kind of in this, in this world of, of marketing per se and dealing with major retailers? You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, a, it's such a difficult thing this, these days with major retailers because they hold all the cards. They're very, very powerful. Um, can you share a little bit with what your students may have learned um, from and what you, you generally think they, they get out of the class of, of pitching into a major retailer? Okay. Um, so overall, uh, experience-based or say experienced learning um, is necessary for the transforma- transformational experience. So again, transformation is a process, right? So right. how can you get them to um, transform um, to you know th- these are qualified you know salespeople, qualified you know retail professionals, qualified you know content managers, right? Um, that's why here uh, you mentioned, okay, we, we got to let them um, try this, okay, see if they um, if they can make it happen. You know, and first of all, start with a um, 
you know, like a simulated setting. Okay. Right. So you mentioned the project about pitching a product to retailer is as actually a role play project for sales class. Um, so in that class, everybody um, was required to pick up a a product. Okay, but you have to understand, you know, your customers' needs. Um, now the customers are retailers. Okay, so pick up a customer, so target. Okay. And uh, do research on them, first of all. Okay. Look at um, their current lines, product lines. Okay. So what are being sold? You know, is, is there any thing? Competitors, uh, so to need, speak? Is that know, what you mean? On the space, look at their return space. Can you do better by burning a new product? Okay. And also understand what kind of new product they might like. Can you make it happen? What kind of features? Okay. And how do you position that product? So these are the things a good marketer needs to think about, right? right. Uh, but pitching that is a sales process, okay? But uh, usually they start with cold calling. But, um, so the first time they have to cold call on a retailer, okay, and uh, try to make a appointment, try to tell the retailer some reasons, good reasons, why, you know, they need to implement another product on their shelf, okay? And hopefully after you get the appointment, you can walk in, talking to their person manager, okay, pitching, as you mentioned, pitching sure. uh, to them the features, the benefits, the advantages of selling, your, of selling your product on their shelves through their stores. Okay, so you know, how much is the you know, profit margin, um, return on investment, you know, return on space, things like that, depending on the, the actual product being sold, you know, we have different uh, financial measures, right? So that's right. the project. So I believe with this experience, um, students can understand how to work things out in this retail supply chain or, or retail channel setting. Um, so once they're out, they're able to do this on their own to make money. And I and I and you're you're right on. Yeah, it does make sense. And I was just thinking as you were explaining all of that too, how much I I wish I had that experience back in the, back in the days, um, just because the um, the knee jerk um, um, it's so um, gut wrenching and difficult. I remember some of the first calls I've ever made on major retailers or even into um, suppliers to major retailers and. Um, you know, it's so easy. It's almost like they, the buyers or whoever we're dealing with just kind of instinctively know, oh, this guy's got, he's just trying to sell me something or, oh, this guy's full of baloney. He, there's just no way. But you're right. When we focus on um, and do our research ahead of time and mm-hmm. kind of see what the competition is, what other products or competing products are, are like um, on, you know, on the store shelves already. Um, what could we possibly bring uh, differently to the table? Um, is it something that can fit into somebody's price margin, um, so to speak, or or their um, uh, their target, you know, their target um, zone as far as how much money they could possibly make out of something? I mean, mm-hmm. retailers are always looking for ways to either trim cost uh, slash increase their margins or whatever it may be. And mm-hmm. um, and boy, how I <laughs> we you know it's it's so it's refreshing. Because because there's a lot of times um, you know that's that's really it's really important that you do that homework ahead of time because otherwise you're out there flying blind and getting your clock cleaned um, from not having those answers ahead of time because you know that's what it's going to focus on. What can you do better than the other guy? What is it right. that you can do that's different? What is it? And we've got to stand out. We've got to be different. You know that's just the important mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, I also want to highlight. Um, some some obstacles for many students, uh, which actually to you and me, it, it may make a lot of sense, is that your actual actions, you know, your, your actual role play is quite different from your plan on the paper, right? right? Some students are able to write very good plans, and they understand the features, uh, but that's why the experience itself can teach them how to do it. Because sometimes it's when you start talking, you're like, uh-oh, you know, I'm not me. You know, right. I, I cannot talk. Or I prepare things, but, you know, the, the actual interaction with the prospect is so different. You know, or I encounter another question. So that's why through this experience, um, smart students are able to figure out 
how to deal with negotiations and sales. And, and that's, uh, I think, a very essential part of experience-based learning. Oh, and it goes back to that successful side of things and, and making, <laughs> right. you know, and having a goal and saying, I'm going to uh, get in and sell this, this Target or Walmart or whoever it is, right. and I'm going to find a way to do it. It may not happen the first time, but it may take right. me three or four tries. But yeah, right. that's cool. Part of the experience is very frustrating, as you know. Right. Very often you get objection, right? Or even rejection, right? Right. And, you know, some customers are not very friendly, and you have to deal with that. Right. And so that's why the experience will give you a lot of things, not only the knowledge, the skills, but also the psychological or mental preparation that can help you to become successful. You know how to deal with this frustration, stress, and the pressure. Right, exactly. And, and again, when, it, when you do get rejected and when you do get um, you know, told, don't ever come back here again, so to speak, um, you know, it's about, it doesn't necessarily mean um, what, it's, what, what that person says. It means I better go back and refine what I'm coming in here with. Right. Uh, and I better go back and refine my pitch, refine what my value proposition is, and refine how it is that I'm, I'm again, I'm describing this particular product. Because whatever it, whatever it is I did the first time wasn't, wasn't good enough. And that's the beauty of this is there's time and time again that you just kind of keep refining, keep refining until you get that success. Um, and, and again, that ties into with your success and experience-based learning. You know, David, um, what you said makes a lot of sense. Uh, this, this is actually, you know, um, for the 12th generation, a lot of people would uh, actually fail in the sales role play. Right. <laughs> I, I imagine, agree. Could be I agree. their early experience or their first experience dealing with actual business. Um, so a lot of times, you know, you know, didn't run well in, in you know the first time. And but actually, what I heard from a lot of students who graduated, you know, coming back talking to me about their experiences, it definitely is you know it's useful, it's valuable, is because they knew okay, you know, not everything in the future is smooth. You know, right. like they will get a trophy, they will get business. No, they're right. competition, right? And they're you know customers you know, need certain things that they have to strive hard to get for the customers. Otherwise, you're out of business, right? So it's, it's naked, it's, you know, it's, it's bloody, but it's reality, right? It is reality, and that's yeah. and that, you're right on with that, too, because not everything, and I even tell our kids here, too, you know, you're not going to get everything you want the first time you want it. And I don't care whether that's a grade, a job, a college of choice, or um, whatever it may be, and a sale, of course, in this case, you know, you've got to be prepared to, what can I learn from this? What can I learn from this? What is it can I change? How can I be? And the students, I think you're right on, the students that have um, uh, have taken this to heart and kind of Instead of being demoralizing, demoralized and quitting, um, they go back and go, wait a minute, let me think about this. Let me go back and try again and mm-hmm. again and again. And that's when it really becomes something that they can kind of – it's a tool that they can graduate with and know that they can use that regardless if they ever choose to get into that sales marketing world. They can use that no matter what kind of, you know, what kind of thing they're doing in life. And it's just – I think you're right on with that. That's really cool. So, so I'm going to change I'm... gears here real quick, okay. if I can, Young. You're sure. from one of my favorite cities in all of China, which is Qindao. So it's right along the Thank ocean, you. the mountains, the beautiful uh, – the, the mountains, they're just beautiful, by the way. In fact, um, it, back when Beijing had the Olympics, that's where they had the um, – um, not the regatta per se, but that's where they had the, uh, the, the yacht racing and what, – what am I called? What, what is that called? Um, right along the coast there. They were the, sailing, like the sailing or whatever it is. The sailing yes. port, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have the lingo down on that, but it was just, I just remember how breathtaking it is. And, and it's just, oh, man. And a few of the factories we work with in the printed flexible packaging world are, are in uh-huh. different cities in China. And, and, and frankly, in Qindao, um, we have seen just some incredible quality from some of the factories we work with there. So can you help our listeners understand that the notion of all things from China um, are cheap and low quality is really kind of silly, kind of false. I mean, I mean, look at the the electronics in the electronics world between Apple and Dell and Samsung. These are exceptionally sophisticated products made in China. Why would people still have the belief that 
buying products from China is dangerous or they'll be of poor quality. Any thoughts uh -huh. on that? Okay. First of all, um, did anyone in Qingdao, like the mayor or somebody, pay you to say good things about it? No, because I, okay. I just thought it was, I thought it was beautiful. Okay. I, I appreciate no. your, your compliment. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a coastal city, and, uh, you know... I, I, you know, I, honestly speaking, I, I think, um, you know, compared to a lot of industrial places, industrial towns, Qingdao is, is you know, is like famous for its tourism, right. you know, because of the scene, natural scenes, you know, these that, you know, thank you, but I, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm from there. <laughs> it's beautiful. And Qingdao it's is beautiful. one of the, you know, the coastal port, right? The coastal right. city is a port. Um, that's why there are a lot of um, international trade. So there are a lot of manufacturers um, that are export-oriented. You know, mm -hmm. their major clients are from the, the Western countries, you know, U.S., Canada, Japan, um, Europe, you know, places like that. Uh, in response to what you said, I mean, again, uh, I understand why uh, many, many people uh, in Western countries feel um, the product quality is, um, <laughs> well, it's cheap, right? It's, right? it's not that good um, in China. Well, it's because, you know, China is not a fully developed country. You know, basically the, the main value adding activities uh, in business still based on labor-intensive industries. Right. Right. So labor-intensive manufacturing. So a lot of times, yes, you know, without very good, um, you know, equipment, you know, management uh, system, you know, of course, the product quality, you know, is, is very low. But right. depending on what kind of product, as you mentioned, you know, Apple, you know, behind Apple is the company called Foxconn, right? has a huge operation in China that, you know, our iPhones made in China and all other products you look around, from printers to computers, all made in China, right? Of course, right. these companies um, doing much better. They got the world-class assembly line equipment, right? And they got, you know, top-notch management system, you know, yeah. and yeah. good engineers. Of course, the quality is good. But, um, again, uh, I think uh, we cannot talk about quality without understanding price or cost. You know, a lot of times, you know, if you go to a dollar store, things are so cheap. Things are made in China or Vietnam, too. I mean, right. you have to look at the price because in order to produce those things, I mean, you, you have to sacrifice quality. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's, um, I mean, understandable. But um, I think, you know, a country like, like China is so big, there are different types of manufacturers in, in different kind of industries, right? Uh, depending on what... In, you're looking for a lot of times um, you can find good manufacturers that can produce good products with, with right. high quality you know, and even their customer service is uh, you know is a lot better and you know people over there can speak good English uh, within those um, organizations right those, those firms uh, as compared to if you want a, a cheap manufacturer you go there you have to find people to, to talk to them, and maybe they don't hire people that can understand customer needs, they don't even speak good English. But right. what they can do right. is produce product with very low price. So depending on what you want to get, all right? Um, but that's why I think it's understandable that, uh, in general, you know, consumers and business in the West have a perception, because there are a lot of manufacturers like that producing cheaper products. With, right. with lower quality, but um, but meanwhile, there are other indicators telling us that you know a lot of manufacturers can do much better than that. I thought it was interesting. I was talking with a guy the other day, and he runs a um, almost like a a good housekeeping seal in the pet industry, if you will. Okay, just bear with me here for a second. But basically, his company is this kind of a an overall um, firm that tests and evaluates suppliers from all across the world, okay? Not just the U.S., but also China and Vietnam and Cambodia, whatever. And, mm -hmm. um, and he does a lot of work in the pet industry, pet chews, catnip, you know, mm -hmm. dog food, whatever. And he had said – I haven't uh, tried, but I know what you're talking about. 
Yeah, and and we don't have a try dog food. You don't understand what dog food is, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Now, his what he was getting at was, um, you know, you hear about something bad happening where um, a particular product, say for example, this just happened, so it's pretty top of mind. A chicken um, flavored jerky for dogs um, was was hurting dogs, making them sick. And and so his point was that the knee-jerk reaction in this country is all things from China are bad. And he said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If if everything in China is bad, um, you know, it, 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 it just – he said – I'm trying to put it into words. What he said was if you take everything and say that everything from China is bad – um, then kind of conversely, you're saying to yourself, well, everything from the U.S. is good. Now, that's not – neither of those things are true. And his point, mm-hmm. again, I'll get to it eventually when I get my head clear here. But, you know, he's basically saying, wait a minute. Everything from China isn't bad and everything from the U.S. isn't good. There's always this thing in between. And one of the things you mentioned before, um, and I'm going to kind of jump on this, was that – if you have the right representative, if you have the right people who can speak the language, understand the culture, understand the different areas of the country of China, mm-hmm. understand how to communicate effectively with these manufacturers, that you can clearly articulate what it is that you want and need. Um, the Chinese are incredible at being able to kind of create really inc- very, very good products. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, um, that and and that that is half the battle. You've got to be able to kind of you know find somebody, a representative, or something. And there's people out there, but um, the, the key thing is to be able to kind of speak the language and understand the culture. But but the, the and I'll kind of wrap this up with this. He also said that if you take away and forbid every um, thing from China, he said the pet industry would not even exist in the U.S. <laughs> meaning. Um, if you talk about anything and ban everything from China, there are certain um, nutritional sort of um, um, and supplements and ingredients that can only be found and sourced in China. He said, so it's really kind of comical and it's in a sad way that people, you know, say, oh, I'll never buy anything from China. But really, in essence, probably half of the ingredients in their product, whether it's a dog chew or dog food or catnip or whatever, uh, really has been sourced. They just don't label it, but it's really been sourced from mm-hmm. China. So it's it's just incredibly frustrating because a lot of our products are made overseas, um, and we do this with our eyes wide open. We also have domestic factories, but you know, in a in a in a in a global economy that we're dealing with, um, you know, we we need to be as competitive as possible. And yeah. you know, if we're selling into major retailers and they're literally pushing and pushing and pushing for cost reductions. You know, and if I can get something made in the U.S. for twenty-five cents and get it done overseas in China for eight cents, well, that's a problem. Then that's not necessarily my problem. It's it's that whether our the costs or our, our labor wages or something are just ridiculous. And and this isn't to knock anything in the U.S. This I'm a son of a butcher, so I understand, you know, buying from America and all that. But but really and truly, it's a global economy these days. Mm-hmm. You just can't. You can't just rule out buying from overseas because that's just silly. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when you're buying your iPhone or you have your Samsung television set, it's just it's unbelievable. Ugh, mm-hmm. it drives me crazy. It drives me crazy. So we're in a global economy, and like I was mentioning, it drives me nuts when people say they only buy American products, but yet they're talking on their iPhone, young, and um, they're jumping into their foreign-made card and drive over to Walmart and purchase any number of products that are made and sourced from China. But how can we really change this perception, if you will? Um, you know, somebody had mentioned this to me, and I think that's really a good idea, is we, we have this public relations issue in our hands where we've got to find a way to really and truly explain properly that um, there's some equipment and some sophistication and things that, are, that can only be done effectively in China. And, um, right. and, and we have to find a way to really communicate that um, in a better way, I would think. Do you, any, any thoughts on that? Um, first of all, I think oh, I, I, you know, what you said, again, makes a lot of sense. I appreciate your good understanding of this uh, phenomenon. Um, I think what we are talking about here 
is really the whole concept of international business, you know, which is based on the concept of uh, globalization. Okay? Right. But, but again, you know, as you mentioned, um, in order to um, keep the cost low, you have to look at your global supply chain instead, instead of, you know, what you can find in your neighborhood, right? right. Because it's global, okay? Right. Um, that's why you mentioned, yes, we cannot change the, the world at all. But we have to be aware of the fact that, you know, things are 25 cents here, but 8 cents somewhere else, you know, everything else being equivalent. Right. right? So you have to be able to utilize this. You know, I'm not sure if consumers care about this, but as a professional manager, you know, a business professional, you have to understand this in order to, you know, keep your business competitive. Right. Um, if you don't uh, do it, are, somebody else is going to somebody else is going right. to buy it, and they're going to go like oh, I, go I can buy it. Get the value. Your competitor will do that. Right. Um, I understand there are worries about quality, but I mean, look at you know the Apple, you know your iPhones, iPod, you know, right. to all types of telecommunication equipment. You know, actually, iPhones this type of telecommunication equipment. Right. I'm talking about more complicated ones. Right. They're all made or assembled in China. Maybe some parts are actually from Japan or, or Korea or, or Europe, as you know. Is that right? right. But uh, they're assembled in China, you know, because you cannot avoid the location because you know workers there can add value right. in assembly. Now right. you may take it to Vietnam. I'm not sure if they're doing that, but these are the places you have to go in That's order right. to, to be competitive. To you know, to under the optimal low level, right? Right. right. Yeah, and uh, this is something this is out of our control to some extent. In the in speaking of China, you have to understand the economy of scale. You know, right. The, the 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 massive the mass production part right. um, is probably hard to replace by Cambodia or some other places. Um, um, well, you're you're yeah. right on with that, Professor uh, Wang. It's just I, I I'm right on with this. We're 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 kind of running up against our time here, and I I oh. just I just love talking with you, especially about <laughs> dealing with China and dealing with because you're you're spot on with it. I mean, um, this is you you get you get it you get it. Um, and again, this has been great fun and an absolute honor for me. So thank you again for being part of our show. Um, hey, thanks again to Professor. Yeah. I'm sorry? I learned a lot from you. We, <laughs> we definitely need to continue our conversation. I would like that. And we're going to do that over, over a sandwich or a cup of coffee. Definitely. Thank you once again to Professor Yong Wang and producer Jamie Berling and our executive producer, the incomparable Winston Winnie Price. Tune in next week for another edition of Ditch the Box. We broadcast live each week, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Voice America. Remember, it's your product. Package it properly. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to Ditch the Box. We're live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. Please join David Maranak for another great show next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.